morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a great week. You know, this last song that we just did, you know, the Lord put it on my heart as I was pumping gas yesterday, so you know that's important. <laughs> you know, you're in the middle of doing something very important, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks to you, you know it's something you need to do. And His reckless love, it just, it's, it's something that when the world is trying to come after you. Have you ever had the world come after you? You know, you got all these different things. You got the bills coming after you. How many people got bills coming after you? I, I got lots of bills coming after me. The thing is, you got people at work coming after you. How many people got people at work coming after you? Oh, I got double hands. I mean, there's people that you've got to understand that God's love is abounding for it all. It abounds for it all. You know, one of the things that I really love about the way Jesus did his ministry is that he was here to show us how to do it. He just wasn't saying, hey, I'm a deity and I come down here and there's no way for you to do this. How many people know that Jesus Christ got baptized in the Holy Spirit just like we do? Everybody, I hope so, because that's what John did. That was his main purpose. John's main purpose was to go around and say, hey, there's someone that's greater than I that's coming, and you need to listen to him. And you know what he did? He brought Jesus in and he dunked him, right? There was no sprinkling. See, I've been to many different denominations. I've been sprinkled. I've been hosed down. I've been dunked. And all that's fine. But at the end of the day, when we actually know that our salvation comes from the Lord, you have been washed through and through. It doesn't matter if you got dunked, sprinkled, you got hosed down, whatever it was. The goodness of God came and it became something in you that was a river of living water that flows out of you. See, that's the goodness of God. That is the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. I am going to get us started. I'm pretty sure that Amy's going to give me a thumbs up that we've been awesome. I got a thumbs up from Al. I'm going to get started. All right. So I am because he is. That's what we're going to talk about today. You know, the Lord wants us to know who we are in him. Because there's a lot of times where we, we may know it. How many people knows that there are times in your life where you've been taught something, but you forget it? Lots of times, you know, this, this message right here is important to me because this right here is the most important message you will ever get as a saved person. And by the way, you're going to forget this. You've just got to keep relearning it over and over and over and over again. And you may go, Dusty, I know that I'm righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, you know what? You can know it, but if you're not living it, that's another problem. Because a lot of times we get into the perspective of, you know what, I didn't do all the things. I don't feel righteous today. How many people's not felt righteous? You know, I don't even know what that feels like, really. I mean, I, I've, I've come to a point where I thought I knew what feeling righteous was, but then I didn't know what feeling righteous was, and I just chased righteousness. I was looking for a feeling. And the thing is, is I didn't get the feeling all the time. But see, righteousness is not a state of feeling. It's a state of being. Like I'm, 
I'm Dustin Cornelius. That's my father in the back, Jack Cornelius. I'm a Cornelius no matter if I want to be a Cornelius or not, right? My grandfather used to say that, you know, blood is thicker than water. Well, it is. But do you know that in the way that, that I know that I'm a Cornelius is not because I feel it. Like, my dad doesn't call me up every day and go, Dusty, you're Cornelius, okay? Just wanted to let you know today. Click, the next day he calls up and says, Dusty, you're, you really are a Cornelius, I'm, I'm letting you know it, you're a Cornelius. You know, if I did that, then I would think my dad's weird. <laughs> How many people know that this is the same problem that we run into with our righteousness? You know, when, when God brought us into the family, it was through adoption. How many people know that in America, and this is, this is taken from from old, old scriptures and in the Jewish language and also the way that they used to do it in the Greek uh, culture is that if you adopted somebody, you chose them. Like, you, I could disown my son right now, but if I adopted one of y'all and I signed the papers, they go, there's no way. You can't get rid of them. Do you know that that is the same way that it is in the body of Christ. And if you don't understand your righteousness, you will try to work for something that you, you didn't even have the ability to earn. You, gotta, you just got to know what you know. How many people know that you need to know what you know so you know it, right? Your knower needs to know those things which you know so you can know it. You know, every time my knower doesn't know that thing, I got to go back and know it again. And this is what we're going to do today. If my little thing will work. Okay. The law was given to show that no one can be righteous in themselves. Now we're going to primarily be in Romans chapter 9. I mean Romans chapter 3. But, but I'm going to bounce around between a few, different, a few different scriptures at the end of here. Because I want to show you some things. I want to show you that some of the people that live some of the most righteous lives based upon the law... They couldn't even get it right themselves. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, it says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, talking about the Jews. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Uh-oh. Have you ever been under something? How many people's under debt right now? I need to get both hands up. All right? Because I got debt. Well, when you're under it, those bills keep coming every single month, right? And you, you, you have to shell out the money. Well, see, the thing is, is sin is just like a debt. Sin comes at you and sin goes, hey, I know sin will hit you with the, with the most weird things. How about this? You know, when we first moved into this building, I thought, well, hey, I'm going to get a, a security system. And so essentially what happened was is that I bought the security system because we had no money when I first when we first came in here. I, I basically, everything you see up here, we took all the money we had saved up in order to get it all. And so what happened was, is that we came up with this, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to get it under a payment. So the, all the equipment, and it was like 1600 bucks to get a security system. It's crazy. That's insane, right? But see, this is the thing that you need to understand is that when you don't have something, 
and you go and you go under debt, then sometimes they can come and ask for payment. See, we don't do that nowadays, but back, back, in, the, back in the day, even like 100 years ago, if they just wanted to come and claim on whatever your, your, your thing was for the debt, they could come do it. If you went and got a house or, or whatever, if they, if they saw fit, they could come do it. Well, sure enough, about six months into this, I was, you know, we had it on some sort of auto payment and it missed an auto payment. And the people that we were through said, hey, you're going to pay this off or we're going to pay this big fee. So you get one of two options, right? You pay a fee that's like almost half of what the debt was. And I go, I'm paying it off. So I got out from under the debt. I got out from under the sin, right? And I didn't understand it either. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, they, they called me up and Siri, me and you are on the same page. I didn't understand it. So I had to pay the debt off. So I became our own savior, if you will. See, that's the thing about the law is that the sin was out there as a debt. And this law, it kept everybody under a payment. And when it come due, it was your life. It was your life. Back verse 10, it says, And as it is written, there is none righteous, no, none, not one. In fact, these next few scriptures, because it says as it's written, these are all out of the Old Testament. He's actually pulling Old Testament scriptures in order to show that the law could not save you. And you could not save yourself based upon the law. So there was no one that was righteous under the law. Verse 11, there was none who understood. There was none who sought after God. They all had turned aside. They, they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. You know, I think about, think about Jesus with the rich young ruler. If y'all remember that, when the rich young ruler come up to him and said, Hey, what do I need to do to be righteous? And G, and he, but he said, good master. And Jesus said, Hey, there is no good but God. He wanted the rich young ruler to go, Hey, do you believe that I am God? Or you just believe I'm another prophet? Well, the rich young ruler just says, okay, what can I do to be, to be righteous, to be holy? Do you know that, that Jesus himself, when he came, he came and he was good in all ways. He, he finished the law. He actually, he was able to, in every single way, he abided by the law. But see, this law, it was something that, he knew what God's heart was. See, when we have a relationship with someone, we can abide by their laws. You know, because God will provide a way. I kind of look at it, I just mentioned my dad. You know, when I lived under his roof, there were certain things where he looked at me as son and not, hey, you're a, a landlord or a debtor. How many people knows that if you lived in your parents' house, and they looked at you as the, like, hey, I'm your dad and not the, the landlord. You can get by with a couple of things, right? If you're a landlord, it's like, you messed up, I'm kicking your butt to the streets, right? 
But see, the thing is, is that God came to bring people into the family so that we no longer had to look at God as the landlord, but we looked at God as the father. And see, when God the Father says, hey, you know what? You're messing up over here, but I want to teach you. I don't want to kick you to the street. That is what we got through Jesus Christ. Amen. In verse 13, it says, their throat is an open tomb. Their tongues uh, have dis- practiced deceit. The poison of an asp is in their lips. How about this? The The world themselves, everybody, both Jew and Greek, both both the Gentiles and the the Jewish people, everything they said, everything they did, however they did it, it was wrong. There was no way. Verse 17, and it says, And the way of peace they had not known. In fact, it says in verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. They didn't even, they didn't even acknowledge God as not just Father, but they didn't even acknowledge God as God of the universe. You know what? There's plenty of people that are running around right now that are not acknowledging God. I even see Christians because they will say, well, His Word needs to be updated. Well, if, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then do we need to update His Word in order so it, it makes us all feel better? No. But see, that's the thing, is that when people say we need to update something, when we need to say, God, His Word, it's just, it's old. See, we don't have the fear of God in our hearts. See, when God says something... He doesn't, he doesn't just say it because, well, today I feel like it and tomorrow I don't. When he says something, he means it forever. In fact, in verse, um, verse 19, it says, And we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may be guilty before God. Now, I want you to understand something. How many people know that, I, that, do y'all follow the law of Germany? Anybody? Anybody in here? Anybody German and you have to actually pay taxes or anything? No. What law are we under? The United States. So if you're under a particular law, you need to understand what law you're under. It's like people who go to another country, you become under that law if you're in that country. They don't go, well, you're an American, so you can do, you know, you can spit in a police officer's face here and you don't go to jail. But you do it, you know, in Mumbai or wherever these people are going today. And there's people that are going to go to jail for like 15 years for just screaming. Well, you know why? Because they walked out of our law and they walked into another law. And see, we need to understand the law that we're under. And the law that they were under back then are two different things. I can tell you straight up, if you go follow the Ten Commandments, those were not laws. The law came from the the Levitical laws, the the things that were were over the entire Jewish population. If you were a part of Israel, if you were part of the 12 tribes, you were under that law. 
But see, this is the thing. The Ten Commandments were outside of that. They superseded. This was the things we were supposed to do. The first four laws was love God. The last six was to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, Jesus actually says the law and the prophets can be summed up in these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Well, you know, the the whole thing that we need to understand is that the law we're under today in Christ Jesus is different than the law that we had before. See, if we had been Jewish, most of us would be stoned to death because I'm pretty sure we're not all wearing like linen, right? There's polyester and all these other things in here. That was against the law. You may be going, that's weird. Well, you know what? Part of the law was to get Israel out of Egypt. They came out of one set of laws and rules, and now they are under God's commandments, and he's trying to pull them out. He's trying to get them to a place of not following that certain rule that they had been under. See, I want you to understand that what law you're under it relegates your righteousness. Because if your law is that every time I make a mistake or wherever I go, if I do something wrong, then I have to abide by a particular spiritual law, then what you'll end up finding out is that you will violate the one covenant that you're under. In fact, in verse 20, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sights. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So, you know, I like what Charles Spurgeon said. It says, The the greatest enemy to a human soul is self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. Do you know that we're constantly trying to save our souls when the Word of God is supposed to be trying to save our souls? In fact, Romans, we're continuing in Romans here. I just had to break it up. You know, being justified is, is just as if I've never sinned. You know, if you've never sinned, then you would be right standing. You would be righteous. And see, this is what Romans 3, 21 through 26 is trying to tell us. And it says, verse 21 says, But now the righteousness, this word is justification, it's right standing. So, but now the the right standing of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all in all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what? Everybody stops right there, by the way. You know, whenever we read that scripture, everybody goes, oh, I'm stopping with that one. We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Well, guess what? We did. But then we got to keep reading. See, the thing is, is that I hear that scripture. I've got people at work with me and we'll have a discussion. Somebody will say, well, you know, we've all fallen short of the glory of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I'm like, is is there another verse to that? I'm I'm trying to figure out. What's the verse after that, guys? It says here. In verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. Oh, so what we're saying is here is that before I got saved, 
I was not justified by anything. In fact, I was, I was a low-down, good-for-nothing, dirty sinner, had no, no hope, there was nothing that I could do. But the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ, then now I have been freely redeemed of the things that have been weighing me down. There's some people that need to be going, amen, because there's some sins that you've had. There's some things that you've done. And you need to understand that when you get a hold of who Jesus is in you, man, I'm justified. You know, you can walk around, you know, people accuse this of me all the time saying, well, you walk around with the chest bowed out and everything. Well, you know, I'm a type A personality. But you know what? I see a lot of people and they, they're real timid. Well, I think a lot of times people are timid or they don't want to, to understand their fullness in God. Their timidity in, in God is because they don't know where they stand with God. Sometimes they don't read their Bible or, or pray because they're like, I, I've messed up. I feel ashamed. That was what happened to Adam and Eve. The moment that Adam and Eve fell, God came down. Hey, where are y'all at? They went and hid. See, this is the way man is, is that even in your own Christian state, when you've accepted Jesus Christ, man, when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have become a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Amen. All right, verse 25, it says, Whom God set forth is a propitiation. This means an atonement for sin. It means that he actually, Jesus himself paid it through his blood, through faith to demonstrate, or this word demonstrate means to declare, to prove, or to make evidence his righteousness, his right standing with us. See, Jesus did some stuff in order to show us that we can be right in him. And it says here, because of his forbearance, God has passed over the sin that we were previously committed. This is sort of the God just said, hey, you know what? I don't even care about the sins and the things that had happened before. I'm going to make a new, I'm going to make a start. I'm going to make a, a fresh start with you. And it says here in verse 26, to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness this justification that we have, that he might be the justifier. It's the same word, but it means to make free. That he might just and make free of the ones who has faith in Jesus. Do you know that God himself puts on Jesus colored glasses when he's looking at you? He looks out and he says, man, look at that beard on, on Greg over there. But Oh, I see Jesus too. And he looks over here and he says, oh, there's Al. But oh, I see Jesus. You know, God's not looking at you based upon what you've done. God's looking at you based upon what Jesus has done. Whew. If you ever get a hold of that, you're, you're gonna, it's going to explode. You're going to do things in your life that you've never done before. It's going to be awesome. Joseph, you're going to go and you're going to blow the roof off of it. There's going to be awesome things that are going to happen in your life. If you understand your place in God and who God is in you and what you should be doing. Man, you will go to heights that you never went before. 
You know, God doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus. You know what? And one of the things that I, I always think about, and Charlie and I have had this discussion multiple times. You know, are you sin conscious or are you Jesus conscious? You know, I think about that a lot in my own life because there'll be things that happen in my life or things that I've done and I will ask myself, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I can actually go back and say, well, I went and got in debt if I had a debt in it, like the, like the issue we had with our Vivid system, right? I can go and say, well, I did that one to myself. But what if somebody got sick in your family? What if somebody left you? What if, what if, you, if somebody decided that they weren't going to be a part of you and your family anymore? God, what did I do? What kind of sin did I allow in my life? Well, guess what? God's not asking those questions. God is putting you in the place of saying, I can justify you, I can redeem you, and I can bring you back to a place of the goodness of God in your life. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, what about sin? Are you saying that we can just sin, Dusty? Absolutely. Everybody, let's go out. Let's go sin. Let's go find. Where's the nearest bar? Let's go hit it. What I want you to understand is I'm not. I'm saying no. Don't sin. Sin will hurt you. You know that sin will hurt your body and your soul. You know, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know, we vacuum packed meat and things like that. My dad was a meat salesman. You could go take that meat. It was vacuum packed. You could throw it in water. You could drop it on the floor. You could do whatever. In fact, if you go look at a meat case at your, at your local Walmart or your Publix or wherever you go shop, go look at the case. It is nasty. Okay. It is not a place that you would want open meat at. That's why they vacuum pack and seal that stuff. Well, guess what? That's the exact same thing that the Holy Spirit did to your spirit. Is that he vacuum packed you so that you could actually walk through this world and not have sin change your spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 said that the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new, that we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. It means that Jesus changed us, the Holy Spirit came, and he vacuum sealed us. Well, you know what he didn't vacuum seal? He didn't vacuum seal your mind, your will, and your emotions, and he did not vacuum seal your body. Believe me, I wake up every day, and I go, Lord, please vacuum seal my body. I need help. You know, but... The thing is, is that everything that we do and where we go in our lives, our spirit is connected to God in a way that it can't get messed up. You can throw that spirit on the floor. You can go put it in the sewer. You can go do whatever. It's still just as good and fresh as it ever has been. Amen. Hallelujah. But see, we still have to understand what sin does to our mind, our will, and our emotions. And what it'll do to our body. I got news for you. You go smoke some meth today. It's not going to be good for you. Okay. Sin is going to come along and it's going to kill your body. You go look up pornography. It's going to kill your mind. 
You go around and you watch movies that are, you're shooting things up and you're killing people. You become desensitized to those things. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's between you and God. I'm not going to preach about, you know, this is a sin and this is not a sin. I don't, I'm not even trying to understand that. Right? Because there are certain movies that I can watch that you can't and vice versa. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I don't watch horror movies. There's a couple reasons because they scare me. But the other ones are because I, I know that there's things in there that make, that they float through my mind. I don't know if you've ever been sitting there and you've watched something that you weren't supposed to watch and all of a sudden that was all you could think about all day long. And you go, man, Lord, help me. Get this out of my mind. See, this is what we need to understand is that, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, Romans 6, 23 was there to show us that, hey, we have an out. The sin is something that we have an out for, and it's called Jesus. We have to... That's one of the reasons why I preach on Jesus more than sin. This, I've probably said the word sin more times today than I've ever said in any of my messages. You know why? Because I don't focus on sin. I'm not sin conscious. I don't want you to be sin conscious either. I don't tell you about sin because I don't want you to think about sin. You know, if I sit up here and I talk to you about sin, if I start going, you know what? If you're drinking Jack Daniels, everybody go, I want to go get me a Jack Daniels. Or, hey, I want to go get me a beer. Or, I want to... I could sit here and talk to you about sin and every single person would go, huh, maybe oh, i got to fight against that now. See, that's the problem with the sin consciousness is that every time you start trying to fight against sin rather than accepting the true gift of God, whew, now you just start living in the justification of God and you don't have to live in the sin anymore. I've become less sinful the more I put my mind on the justification of Jesus. It's just the way it is. And I think most of the time people, they see sin and they see sin and they see sin and they get talked to about sin and they've gone to churches where they just talk to them about sin and it makes them want to sin more. You know, Andrew Womack used to say that he, he tried this thing where he was like, he went and told, he had heard that you know, psychologically, if you tell somebody not to do something, they're going to do it. So what he did is he had all of his sons in his backyard and there was this flower that was like a weed growing up in his backyard. And he said, hey, kids, they were all out there playing. They had not even touched that flower. They hadn't done anything. They said, kids, hey, you see that flower right there? And they were like, yes, sir. And he goes, don't spit on that flower. You'll get in trouble. And he went back inside. Uh-oh, she's been spitting on the flowers, huh? Anyway, he goes back inside and he looks through the window. He said, and the kids are all over there and they get away from the flower. And then one kid, you can see him talking about the what's wrong with the flower? Why don't we got to do the flower? And then the next thing he knows, he goes over there and he goes, he sees one of the kids, the, the one that was, the, that was always the stinker, you know? And he goes over there and he goes... You know, and he's like really getting some spit up. And he goes and he spits on it. And he was like, nothing happened. So all the kids run over there and they spit on the flower. You know why they did that? 
It's because it's our human nature when we hear about something or we t- are told about something that is not what we're supposed to be doing. The first thing we do is go, how do I do it? How do I get this done? Sin is death to your soul and to your body. So don't do it. If somebody goes, hey, what about sin? I go, don't do it. Let's talk about the justifier though. See, one of the things I want you to understand is that Paul was sin conscious. And I'm going to show you here in a couple of scriptures in Galatians. But I want, I want you to understand that if you understand your righteousness, then you won't go and follow the sin consciousness. Paul suffered from self-righteousness throughout most of his life until he met Jesus. Philippians uh, 3, 5 through 8, it says, Circumcised on the eighth day, talking about himself, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, this law was sin conscious. See, the law was nothing more than to make you conscious of the sins that you should not be doing. It was the flower, and it was saying, don't spit on it. This is the thing that that Paul understood well. Because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Verse 6 says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Hey, when it came to the, these people aren't following the law anymore. He had, the, he had every right under the law to go persecute those churches. He had every right under the law to go and get them out of Israel. It was, it was his right under the law. And so he did it very well. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. See, he made himself so sin conscious that he went and knew every law inside and out. He was able to tell you every single one of the the hand rituals where you would wash your hands before you, you ate and all that. He did it. He was so into the law. This man was so self-righteous. But what he didn't understand is that there was no righteousness to be had with God through the law. He was just, he was playing a part. He was playing a part. In verse 7 it says, But what things were gained to me? These things I have counted for loss. Indeed, I also have counted all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, but my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So you got to understand something. If you go back and look in, uh, if you go back and look at any of Paul's teachings, especially when he's talking to Timothy and to the churches, he tells about how much of a Pharisee he was. He said at the feet of Gamaliel, it means that his family was rich. Paul's family was rich. He paid in order to be at the, at the most, I mean, the most highest person. Like if you could come up and say, I want to, I want to know the, I mean, if somebody just screamed out, you know, if it was Billy Graham or if it was Andrew Womack or if it was whomever you thought it was in your own mind, it was like, I know if I was under that person, I would learn everything that I needed to know from God. Well, that was what Paul's family did was they sent him there. He lived with Gamaliel. And see, this is the thing, is that he was rich, he had power, 
He had authority. Paul was on his way to becoming a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Maybe even a high priest one day. See, what we have to understand is, is that he said, once I met Jesus, I threw it all away. It was trash to me. It was rubbish. Paul went from being, huh, Paul went from being rich to being poe. You know, if you are poor, that means that you don't have anything. Poe means that they are trying to kill you too. And that was what was happening to Paul. They were stoning him. They were shipwrecking him. I mean, he, he had all kinds of stuff. Even a snake bit the guy. I mean, how bad has it got to get before you go, man, Paul went through some stuff. In fact, that was his thorn in the side was that he kept going through all this and he was like, God, I want it to be a little easier. And God goes, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. You know that in the word, in God, in Christ, we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. But it says here, it says, And I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. You know that when, when Jesus actually met Paul there on the road to Damascus, it was, a, it was not just a, Paul, I need you to do something, or Paul, I want you to change your life. It was a moment that Paul said, I need to change everything about me because I'm seeing the world the wrong way. The things that I thought I knew, they went out the window. When you're blind and you've got some you know, spiritual something talking to you, the first thing he said is, Lord, who is this? He was ready to throw away everything he had because he knew whatever this is, that is God. Do you know that in our own lives, we're not going to probably have that spiritual encounter like that. I know some people would like that. I know if you go find an atheist, they would be like, I just want God to strike me down if he's up there. No, you don't. You absolutely do not. But see, this is the thing, is that when we actually understand our righteousness through Christ Jesus and we put our faith in Him and that we've made Him Lord. Do you know what being Lord is? It means that I'm trusting in Him more than I trust in myself. See, that's the problem, is that the devils believe and they tremble. How many people believe in God? <laughs> we got to take it one step further than the devils, right? At least one step. In order to have him as Lord. And see that's the thing. Is that it's not, it doesn't matter what we do. It matters what we believe. And it also matters where we are in him and through him. See we need to know that in everything that we do in Christ Jesus. That he himself is going to be the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, there's sometimes that the Lord tells me to do something and I know that he's still writing the story. You know why? Because I can't get all of y'all in the world to do everything that needs to happen. If it was, this would be boring. How many people just want a boring life? Anybody? Well, you may want one, but do you know that the people that are multimillionaires, billionaires, they're killing themselves all the time. Their children are dying. You know why? Because they have nothing to live for. They're, 
there's nothing that they can do in their life. They're, they're trust phone babies. They, you know, it's like if everybody wants to win the lottery. How many people want to win the lottery? Oh, I've got some people who aren't very smart because I've talked on this before. I know some of y'all don't know. But you will die. If you don't have any money right now and you go and get, you go get a billion, what it was it, nine billion dollars the other day from Florida. If you go do that, you dead. You dead. You go, well, I think I'll, I'll give it a shot. Well, the statistics are against you. You're going to die. Or you're going to lose all your family. Or you're going to be on drugs. Or you're going to, I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. And see, this is the thing is that we can get all the money and all the things, but at the end of the day, if we don't live life with God through Him being the author and the finisher of our faith, man, we, we're never going to get anywhere. So your accomplishments, your wealth, your philanthropy, your status, do you know that Bill Gates gives more money than we can ever, than we can ever imagine? Billions of dollars. But do you know that he offers you the, doctor, the doctrine of devils all at the same time? How many people know that Bill Gates is buying up all the beef cattle land? Well, the doctrine of devils is that you'll forbid eating a meat. You know, he's already come out to the UN and to the National World Forums and stuff like that and said, we need to ban meat. You know what? That's a doctrine of devils. He's not doing it because he loves us. He's doing it because there's an agenda that Satan has on the backside of this that yes, he's given millions and billions to all these things, but he is taking away the rights that we have through God in Christ Jesus. You know what? I don't need his money. I don't want his money. See, that's the thing is that whenever we get a hold of something, sometimes we try to instill our own selves. And when we get our own self-righteousness going on, well, look how much money I have. Look how many burn hospitals. Look at how many things that have happened over the years that these people have done. Those are not good works. Those are not good works. Because you gave a lot of money is not good works. See, every good work is what the Lord tells you to give to. What He wants you to put your money into. I'm going to flip this around on our head. Righteousness comes from faith in Jesus and not your works. Philippians 3, 9, finishing off the other part of Philippians 3 here, it says, And he found him, and not having his own righteousness or justification or right standing, which is in the law, which, but that which is through Christ Jesus, the righteousness, the right standing which he had from the Father by faith. See, Jesus himself actually had right standing with the Father by faith. He lived the exact same life we did when he was on this earth. You know, Jesus wasn't coming here to be special. Jesus came here to be the Son of God on the earth to live the same life that we're supposed to be. He abided by the laws that God had given them. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God. He lived by the Holy Spirit. He lived by faith. He listened to the Lord. You know, most people, they, they go, well, you know, Jesus just knew. No, 
Go read the scriptures. How many times did Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go off a little bit to go pray. I'm going to go off a little bit. Come watch with me. Well, that meant that he was getting his lordship from the Father. And the Father was telling him what to do. Just like we do now. The Holy Spirit himself, he, he sent him as a promise. See, I want you to understand these things because I don't want you to go, well, Jesus is, you know, he lived this life that I can't ever live. Well, you know what? You don't have to live his life. You have to believe in him and you have to understand and be justified by him. And the more you understand that, the more you will live like him. So let me ask you a question. What if you didn't read the word this week or today, you know, or you didn't, you, you didn't pray? Are you in right standing with God? I'm getting some head nods. Okay, that's good. I like it. It's, it's feeling pretty good in here. Okay, well, what if you didn't read it for a month? What if you didn't read it for a year? You'd be like, oh my gosh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm devoid of knowing God. Well, the answer is yes, but you got to think about this. How many people had the word back in 90 AD? The word was still being written in 90 AD. How many people had the word in 110 AD? How many people had the word in 385 A.D. when, when St. Jerome actually put it together, got all the books and put it together and canonized it? Only the rich people. But you know, there were people that were being taught by the Holy Spirit. So the word of God, when we read it in the scriptures, was not the Bible. It was, I'm listening to the Lord. I'm sitting and I'm meditating and the Lord is talking to me and he's giving me the things that I need for my life because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Now the word is good. The Bible is good. So don't hear me. Read your word because it's good. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will come and tell you things that the word backs up, but it's going to be for you and specifically for you in your life because not everybody had the word. Not everybody was able to go buy one from the, from Walmart Right? Amazon didn't have them on sale five for a dollar or something. People spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get two or three books written. In fact, if you ever get to go to the Bible Museum up in Washington, D.C., go do it because you'll see some of them where they paid scribes to actually write certain parts of the Gospels and stuff so that they could have it in their households. And most of the people that had this done, they were rich because you couldn't afford to do it any other way. But see, the people who were poor, the Holy Spirit was their teacher. See, I want you to understand something, that the Word of God, that it can live and breathe and it can be alive in you and you can sit and you can meditate with God and He will teach you all things. The word is good and we need to read the word because it gives us a foundation and a basis for what the Holy Spirit can teach. But see, I want you to understand is that the righteousness did not come from reading your word. The righteousness did not come from praying. The righteousness came from making Jesus your Lord. Amen? See, reading the word and praying. So reading the word, is, you know, so we can have faith 
that comes by hearing. So if God gives you a word, you go and read something. You know, last night we went over, we saw Phil Driscoll at, at uh, Life of Faith, and he was asking ministers what their, what their favorite scripture is. Everybody knows mine because it's written above this door frame over here. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And we were flowing in the Holy Spirit, and I sang that, I sang that scripture. Well, you know, that scripture became alive to me. I heard it out of uh, Pastor Jim McCann III's mouth, and I'd never heard it before. Maybe I'd read it, maybe I hadn't, but I was a teenager, and all of a sudden he said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, and bam, it hit me. It was like, it was, it was something new. I'd never had that happen before. And I, it changed and revolutionized my life. I'd accepted Jesus, but I had never heard God's voice. And when that came alive to me, it changed who I was. I had ADD and dyslexia, and I didn't even graduate high school. And because of that scripture, and God started showing me through that scripture what to do, I went and started a journey that took me about 11 years, but I went from having to go get a GED and went all the way through to where I got a master's degree in computer engineering. But see, that one scripture became alive and it was so alive on the inside of me that I meditated on it and it just kept growing and the Holy Spirit just kept using it. Now there's other scriptures that I have now that I have gotten revelation from. But see, we have to understand that what we're sowing into our heart builds faith, good or bad. If you're sowing CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, then that's what's coming out. If you're sowing the Word of God and you're listening to, to His Scriptures and you're listening to what the Holy Spirit is telling you, then guess what? You're going to get faith from it. Praying, Jude, it says, But you, beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, we need to pray in order to build that faith up. We need to pray in order to be able to see things that are going to happen. We need to know the things that God is putting in our lives and where we need to go next. Prayer is good, but it doesn't make us saved. I like my little thing here in the middle. Y'all may not like it, but I do. You know what? We all got to push something around every single day and the Holy Spirit can round out our, our corners in order for us to be able to get things moving. I feel like most people, even Christians, are pushing these big squares trying to get them to move. But see, the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is trying to figure out how to get our corners rounded so that we can move and we can be free. Do you know that in everything that we do, we can sow in order to make us grow? And when we sow through the word, when we sow through prayer, those are the things that's going to help our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it's going to come out of our mind, will, and emotions through our body. And our body is going to be able to go out and touch other people. There are people that you're going to be able to touch because you know the righteousness. They can come in and call you the most low-down, dirty dog. But I know I'm righteous. I know that Jesus is on the inside of me. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. 
There's no failure that can happen in my life. All of this can go away. I can lose my job. I can do this. But I know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's going to stay with me because I continuously put it in my heart. See, there's some people today that you've known that you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you've forgotten it. And I'm here to tell you today that God is telling you that you have the righteousness, that you are supposed to accept the gift, that you're supposed to walk in your gift. Don't go try to go buy something else when God's already given you the gift. You know, Heather, all the time, I'll go buy something on Amazon. She goes, you already have one. Where is it? I can't find it. It's buried somewhere. I don't know. But see, the thing is, is that when you actually have it, you can go use it. But see, those are the kind of things that we have to understand is God is saying, hey, the Holy Spirit, which ends up being Heather all the time for me when I'm physically trying to find something. The Holy Spirit goes, let me go find it for you again. See, this is the thing that we need to understand is that in Christ, you have what you need. You can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. He has made you the just. He has justified you. Just as if you had never sinned is what justified really means. Say, just as I have never sinned. Say it. You are justified. If you believe in Jesus and you've made him Lord of your life, you are justified. You're not looking to try to get rid of sin. You are not in sin. You're in the justification. You go, what if I sinned? You know what? We go, Lord, help us. And we move on. Because God doesn't want us to stay in a prison cell that he's already opened the door for. You are in right standing with God if you are in Christ Jesus. Come on up here, Matt. You know that in everything that we do, this should be the first thing that we think about every single morning. This should be your favorite scripture. You should say that I've been justified in Jesus and I, the author and the finisher of my faith is putting me into a place to where I can be whole and healthy not only in my body but also in my mind, my will and my emotions because I don't have to sit around and think about well, what sin did I commit if you are sin conscious then you will follow sin but if you are Jesus conscious and Holy Spirit conscious and God conscious then you will follow them every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask this question. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you may believe in God, but if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're thinking, I've not been justified, I'm going to give you the opportunity today. We can get you saved and you will be justified from now on. And you can walk in the goodness and the the fullness of God. If that's you, raise your hand for me. Because I want to pray with you. I, I, want to, I want to be able to impart into you that Jesus Christ himself came and died for your sins. And that he came to make you just and to make you righteous just as you have never sinned. 
If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what, I've forgotten. You know, I've forgotten who I am. I I once knew this and I've forgotten this. I'm not wanting to get you to raise your hand so I know it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I think it's important for us to make a stand to say, I'm going to start thinking about this. I'm going to start making this the thing that I'm going to, I'm going to make it a banner in my life. I want you to raise your hand to God, not to me, not to anybody else, but I want you to raise your hand and say, from now on, I'm going to stand in the justification of God that his righteousness will be with me from now on. I know I'm raising my hand. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I pray over each and every person as they are, as they've come in here and they've listened to this message, Holy Spirit, fix all the things that, that you wanted to put in here that I didn't get. Father, help them to meditate and to show them the things that they need to be able to, to do in their lives. That the times where they can meditate with you so that you can show them your goodness, that you can show them their, your love. Father, I just pray that they are getting that revelation right now more than ever. I pray right now that you are giving them their wholeness. That's all saved means is that you have been made whole. And the wholeness of God is that he has broke every chain. He's opened the doors to the jail cell. He has brought you out. And Father, I pray over them as they go this week that that you just give them the peace and understanding by the Holy Spirit of who they are in Christ Jesus. Help them to see in their, when they're reading and when they're praying that they can come boldly to the throne room of God, that they, can, that they can have help in their time of need. And Father, I just pray over each and every one of them. I pray that Satan does not come along and try to, to take away this, this seed that is planted in their heart, but that you help it to grow in Jesus' name. Father, I pray over each and every one of them. I love them and I I want them to to go into their world and to just radically change it. That they are the peacemakers. That they are the ones that bring about the change. I thank you, Father, that they are change makers. They are the ones that are going to bring change because they are in Christ Jesus. They know Christ Jesus and they are the justifiers. That they help bring people into the family. I pray over them. In Jesus' name. I pray of this food fellowship that we're about to have. I pray that this food nourishes our bodies and in the time of fellowship that, that we grow together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be down here at the front if you want prayer for anything. But you're dismissed. Uh, stay for the fellowship. We would love to have you. I'd love to talk to you. Amen.